Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, something from the cellar. Another midweek visit to the White Wine Question Time cellar, brimming with vintage conversations from more than 200 guests, all served up for you on a Tuesday in bite-sized portions. And this week, we're back with another selection of how some of our guests have started out on the road to success in their chosen professions. Kicking off this episode, we have the Brothers Hansen, pop legends of the 90s, who joined me on the show last year to share how they hustled their way to the top, starting with this, the time they turned up without any kind of appointment at a hotel where they knew an influential music executive was staying. They called up to his room, called him down to reception, and put on a show for him right there. Talk about season the moment. One of the early kind of semi-local people that made a difference in our career was a guy named Jim Halsey, who's now in his 90s, still works, represents many, many artists. And Upgrades boys amongst and others. And try, yeah. I mean, he represented like half the country artists in the last, you know, 30 years. Wow. Um, incredible guy. He, he was doing a conference in our hometown where he was meeting, bringing people together to try and sort of, you know, essentially, you know, curate, bringing more people into management and labels and trying to find artists. And trying to talk so, to people in Oklahoma about it. This is how the so music business works. We, we, um, yeah. we, knew, we knew he was in town, and so we, he was staying at a hotel. Um, and one morning, uh, both of our, our folks, our mom is extremely tenacious, and we were very young at this time, you know, said, hey, you know, we know, we know that they're, he's going to be here. Jim Hall's going to be there. We really should just should go try and make sure to meet him. Um, and so we got up. Um, uninvited 
you know, at 7 a.m. that morning, mm-hmm. showed up in at the hotel at 7:30. 7:30, ready to sing in our with our three in the lobby. <gasps> yeah. And we, and my, our dad, the time, our dad calls upstairs again. This was they were our folks were you know never the stage parents like they were very much. But they were willing to jump in and, and kind of they got it that we really wanted they, to do it. They weren't. And he, they were assertive. So they they so there we are in the lobby, and um, he calls and this he calls guy. up to the room and Jim goes hello and he's like hey my name's Walker Hanson I'm and uh, I've got my sons are performers and they really you know they're really interested in making music and I'd love to get a chance to talk to you and he said that's great um, the conference you know is happening you know later today and he said no you don't understand we're in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Right now. <laughs> and so Jim, you know, Jim comes down and, you know, kind yeah. of pulls Good himself man. together. Good man. And, and let me just tell you this. Before you sing, you're the only ones in the lobby. You're the only ones in the lobby. Right. So, so that's, and hence, you know, the tenacity, you know, and there's yeah. so many examples. Be the only one in the lobby. Be the first one in the lobby. Absolutely. Wow. You know, there's, I mean, whether it was, Telling the story. That's of, great. The label the, who ultimately signed us, you know, was an unlikely concert, you know, in the, on a on the flatbed of a truck, you know, out in a tiny little town called Coffeeville, Kansas. You know, that was the the, the guy that signed us was at that show where you're like, oh man, this is the worst. Like show. of all the shows to come to, we have no fans. They'd so, rather hear us sing country music. We don't do country music. <laughs> you know, so there's so many of those things that when people tell tell their stories, you know, you talk about Carnegie Hall, you talk about the symphony, you talk yeah. about the hits, you talk about the 30,000 people in a parking lot. But yeah. but really, the, the the power is in the, being the first one, the only one in the lobby, being the last one to leave, you know, hopping on the plane to, to try and meet that one person you think might make a difference to, you know, the, the, those things where you really kind of didn't have a guarantee. And, mm-hmm. You know, even starting the label, you know, we, when we started the label in 2003, 2004, we'd had a lot of success. We had a very high value as a, you know, an entity, but people really didn't know what to do with, with us. You know, a lot of people around us, they did pretty much expected us to, to sort of fold in a way to, to, to kind of cower at the moment. And, and not because we would, we didn't have a certain amount of success potential. It was just sense of, well, there's too many question marks. You know, this is probably going to start to fizzle out. And so that those are the moments that really define whether mm-hmm. or not you have a career. And, and so, sort of, you know, seizing the moment, there, yeah. there's a long list of those. And, and they're not, most of them are not. They're not know, glamorous. They're not like, and then I met my wife. Because you, know? <laughs> no. you never have to stop seizing moments. But if you, if you understand the power of them, and because you take a gamble and it pays off, if you are the first in the lobby, uh, then, then you understand that those those gamble moments can come in. They can, you know, you can cash them in big time. Yeah. yeah. What they they say is you can't win games you don't play, right? And so there's there's no guarantees. But if you're not if you're not in the lobby, no one's going to hear you oh. sing. And I love the fact that he came down and acknowledged that you were the first in the lobby. I mean, did he do anything with you guys? Did he sign you, or was it just that that one kind of soundbite that that fueled you on? He represented really kind of giving us a strong foundation to actually go after it. He saved our butts, really. What he did is he introduced us to a really credible music attorney that became kind of our our old uh, the old guard, literally, uh, you know, incredible attorney. And as we began to pitch and you know really go after getting signed or find a manager, um, he saved us from that attorney saved us from signing a deal that would have really ruined our lives. A big label that was notorious for for signing people with horrible, horrible deals, 
Jim introduced us to kind of a, a pathway, honestly, to building a really strong team. Like that, that was where, yeah. that was really, and we're still friends with Jim. I mean, he's in his nineties and still works every day and yeah. still manages the Oak Ridge yeah. Boys, classic country band. And uh, the two, kind of Clive Davis with the Stetson, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there yeah you exactly. Go. And, and yeah. more character, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, which doesn't say a lot. Isn't that remarkable though? Because in so many ways, that moment, um, you know, he, he he was a bit of a guardian angel there. You Absolutely. can, you it, you know, the wrong deal can freeze your career, can stop you releasing music, it can mm-hmm. kill your soul. You know, yeah, and, it, and and certain things almost did. I mean, you know, like going back to that as an example, just for people that just to understand something like so you have songwriting royalties that you get paid. If we would have signed the deal uh, that we were originally offered that by that, that, that by that label and the attorney said, hey, don't do it. And this attorney, again, was, you know, was brought to us by Jim Halsey. We would have uh, given away almost half of all of our songwriting royalties for the rest of our lives. Wow. So they want, this is a, this is a, what's what they call um, imperpetuity, is that right? In perpetuity, yeah, yeah, yeah. In perpetuity, yeah. yes. Perpetuity, sorry. which basically means eternity. Yeah. <laughs> and so, tell the so return of Christ. That, that, exactly. That eternity. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wanted to shrink it down, yeah. you know. Yeah. That, and that, this is something, you know, this is something that George Michael fought and fought and fought um, yeah. and Prince. And you need people like that, that. And it damaged their careers. It damaged their ability to make music and put it out to people. But but it's you know you need people like that that stand up on a principle. And one of the things it points to, and we're getting fairly deep into this discussion, but it points to being at a different point in your career. And, and we're all different in the way we create things. But I know I can feel in myself. Uh, you know, we've got still got hopefully many many more years being a creator. But I do have a sense more than ever of wanting to be that for other people. You know, yeah. wanting to impart, wanting to save somebody's life by giving them the power. To be a more of a, a to be that dangerous you know creative force that actually knows their stuff that knows their business you know that knows how to make and takes what you did and pales and does something that, you know you, yours what you've done pales and comparison to what yeah. what they've done to be able to inspire people and, and and to be able to be kind of be a steward for other creators especially artists that you know it's this strange thing that you know most. It's not that it's not any, it takes any less effort because it takes in many cases, I think, more effort than most career paths. But you do have a strange thing where you're, you have this risk of if you break, oftentimes people that do break in music, you know, you don't go through five years of school to then go become, you know, to yeah. become a, an attorney or a doctor or to be, mm-hmm. you, you could go from a garage to a stadium. You know, it can yeah. happen. And it so does what happen. happens, you know, to be prepared to, to know how to manage that is really, it's, it's like you're a huge risk. Next up is chef and TV presenter James Martin, who joined me all the way back in 2020 and explained how his passion for food and his workaholic tendencies were apparent even at the tender age of 11 when he started working professionally while studying as a schoolboy. I'm the mother of an 11-year-old, and okay, and he's got a pretty good appetite for life and ambitions, and I love that. But you were catering weddings with your mother at the same age as my son. Yeah, that's remarkable. And my mother didn't want to do it. Well, I just—it was the business side of it. I—I I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be a cook. I started off in pot washing, and and I and I thought, you know, why isn't anybody else doing this? I'm reasonably good at this sort of stuff, and I and I thought I'd been 
working and training in France. And, yeah, but you hadn't even chosen your GCSEs. I know, I know, but I, I, I realised if you bought a if you bought a chicken and you did this thing with chicken and you did it with aspic and grapes and and chervil and and you put it on a platter, uh, is called. It's, it's this is cold, cold chicken dish. Um, French, I'm guessing. It, well, I learned in France. Yeah, you poach the chicken and you make a stock using the the chicken. And you skin the chicken and then you you make a white sauce and you put aspic in it and you coat it like this, cover it over when it's cold and then decorate it with grapes and chives and 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 so it looks like vine leaves. Cover it in aspic. It looks amazing on a platter and then you put individual uh, chicken breasts with it as well. And I realised that when you bought a chicken for five quid, you could sell it for forty quid. Wow. And it was quite good. That's it's a little bit of pocket that's, money. That's a margin. And, yeah, but then, <laughs> but then you had to make it. You had to have. I don't know. You had to know how to do it, I suppose. And that's that was the trick. And but, I and I and I just I I'm, I'm like a sponge. I, I I kind of absorb information from anybody, and and everybody fascinates me. Right. So, if you could award a Michelin star to people that have had an an incredible influence on your life the people that have shaped and and carved out the path uh, that you've walked who would they be and, My and your mum yeah straight off straight off oh she's the inspiration that makes me get up in the morning that makes me work makes it's oh. uh, yeah cuz you want to get one couldn't afford two but you want to get one <laughs> <laughs> but but you only get one, and my mom's been through so much, and she still works now. My mom's seventy two; she still works. She works in a clothes shop. She works she? five days a week in a clothes shop for thirty quid a day. And I bet you, you tell her not to. I tell her not to, but she works, and she she always worked all of her life. So she was the one that 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 I remember when I was working in London when I used to finish and I used to sleep for. I think the record was forty one hours. I fell asleep for when I came home wow. uh, on, a, on a four day break from London. After working in in some of the kitchens, yeah, and all, in London. all on either side of a family going, you're mad. What are you doing? My mother said, "Stick at it. You'll get there. You'll get there." And my family thought I was balmy. My mum's dad, my granddad said, "You should be a cricketer, um, get a proper job." Um, my granny was so upset that that seeing me like that, and I I, I just looked like this Amazonian Zombie. animal. Like my eyes were black and. Because talk me through the hours in London. You were on crap pay. You were living in. A, well, you a... people. I think I think the people who know you, and this is the weird thing about this game, is people see you now, they don't see that, mm. and you know, and and I think I don't know, it, it falls to the fact that you still love your food, but my mum's taught you're, me so she, so much. She saw that, and you said, "Whilst everyone else is going, be a cricketer, pull yourself together, look at the state of you, what you're doing, you mad." She was that one voice that cared, that said, "Keep going." Yeah, well, I remember my mum came down, and and she came down for a meal three months after I'd left. Uh, to go down to London. It's only three months, and um, I was working downstairs at One Ninety Queensgate, and it was a it was a restaurateurs association of Great Britain. It was One Ninety Queensgate? That's how famous the restaurant downstairs was. Wow. The brasserie upstairs, that I mean, the brasserie upstairs was just full of everybody from Shirley Bassey to Commitments. I mean, it was the banging, banging place. And it was Anthony Worrell Thompson's place, right? Yeah, the late eighties. I mean, that bar, that was the place to go. That and Kensington Place with Rowley Lee. There was there was several places that were buzzing. Marco Pierre White Harvey's, which I ended up going to eventually, but those kind of places, um, Stephen Bulls, the, all the trendy places, Alistair Little, I could list them. Yeah. There wasn't many. In Soho. There wasn't many, yeah. for sure, but they were they were mega. And um, I remember walking from from the kitchen downstairs 
into the brasserie upstairs because I had a load of desserts. I was a pastry chef there. And my mum was in the queue and I walked past and said hi. She didn't have a clue who I was. Why? How weird is that? Because I'd lost four stone. I looked like this Amazonian in three months. creature. Yeah, I looked knackered. I totally looked knackered. I remember collapsing in the middle of service. There was people collapsing. Uh, I remember one person collapsing had a heart attack in the middle of the service. What? And the head chef at the time, not at that restaurant, but the head chef at the time turned around and said, we carry on service, just move him out to one side. And I remember dragging him to one side, <laughs> putting his head up by the side of this, this, uh, this fridge. This is awful. And I'm carrying on cooking going... Is he all right? This is, this is what it's all about. I got stabbed through the arm by a Brazilian kitchen porter because I threw a pan in the sink. The place was... And I ended up walking. What? I, I, yeah, well, this this is what happened when you were... You know, when, uh, straight through the arm. And, Jesus. And I remember putting a tea towel around it and Hold on, what, on the did the guy the that had a, had a heart attack, was he all right? I think so. You don't even know. I woke up at the end of it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just, I think it was that a panic attack, one of the two. But that was the, that was the thing back then. You know, it was like tea towel round your wrist and you walk to the hospital and I remember walking into I think it was Hammersmith this is a hospital in Hammersmith yeah yeah I walked to Hammersmith from 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 yeah Kensington no. so that's quite a long way isn't it yes. well I don't know the area I don't know London at all and I just turned left out the restaurant there's got to be a hospital around here and um that was it and did and you finish that, was, service first though no I was back in the kitchen that night Jeez. We used to clean down the bench and I used to sleep on the marble slab in the kitchen. So your mum must have been appalled when she saw the state of she you. She was. She came down and saw the restaurant, but she was appalled. But she said, it's what you want. It's what you've always strived to do. You've, you, you, from the age of seven, eight years old, have always wanted to be a chef. So now you're in it. But you're grounding as such that when you were a farmer, I, I thought... To be honest, I didn't care about the hours, and I still don't. Well, farmers me, work all day, every day, me, right? If you if you want to know about hard work, then you work in a farm. Yeah. Or, or you you know coal mining and all that. That's hard work. Not 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 cooking a few bits of dover sole. That's at least you're warm and you got something to eat. Yeah. The hours are a bit stressful and people shout at you, but it's not. It's not. But when that you came bad. to London, you were so, you were you were working some of the best kitchens in the world. But your mum was still sending you food vouchers because you you had no money. Yeah, Yeah. M and S food vouchers. Yeah, Yeah, which I thought was quite fancy. M and S food. She did. She used to send me microwave microwave food vouchers. Well, food vouchers, and I used to go get microwave food. Um, But yeah, that's that's the yeah. Because you weren't you weren't making ends meet. No, I couldn't afford to live in London. I left London with I think I was seven grand in debt. I didn't. I couldn't afford, and that was a long time ago. Um, But I didn't spend anything. I I had a bike, and I, I, I I I. you know, I mean, I remember getting 50 quid uh, on the way down from my dad from the train station down from London. And I, I remember spending 15 quid of it on a bloody taxi to get from the, the, the train station to the restaurant and thinking, oh, oh my God, it's expensive here. Yeah. And then suddenly realise you've got 35 quid left. And I had a bit of money and that was it, and a bit of pocket money that I'd saved up. But all that went within months. It was, it was gone. But you don't go into the... The, the career path that you followed, wanting to be rich, you do it because it's it's a drive, it's a passion, it's a, a hunger. You, you do it because you love it. First of all, you do any job because you love it. Yeah. Success is not financial. Success is what's in your head. It's reward, what right? Makes you happy. Emotional reward. Yeah. And and later on in life, you can look at it and have goals, and that's what I still do now. I set myself goals every year, but I think I think success is my most successful time, without a shadow of a doubt, was way before television. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. 
Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Last but certainly not least, we have Jungle Star and Radio 1 Drive Time DJ Jordan North, who recalls the unglamorous path he travelled and the many sofas he had to surf in order to get his foot on the first rung of the broadcasting ladder. Can you retrace your steps and identify the jobs, the breaks, the people and the opportunities that have put you at the Radio 1 Drive Time show? Yeah, um, first of all, it has got to be my media studies teacher, Miss Wilson. She was my English teacher at school. So she said to me in year nine, I'm doing a media studies GCSE. It's brand new. So this was like 2004 or five. It's brand new course, and I think you'll be really good at it. So I did this media studies course and loved it. Um, and then when I left school, I know, it, I know it sounds something like Billy Elliot, but when I left school, I lads like me didn't go into the radio or the media industry. We all got trades. And it was like, if you're not that academic, you don't, you go to college, but if not, you get a trade. So I was learning to be a bricklayer. And I, for the first six months of leaving school, uh, when I did my GCSEs, I, I, was, I was working for a builder and um, I got sacked because I was rubbish. So my mum was getting on at me because I was just lying about the house watching the OC, <laughs> daytime TV. And my mum uh, made me go to a college open day at Preston College. It was like a local open day. And I just went to shut my mum up and I was really sullen and sulky. And the, the woman, the careers advisor, said to me, oh, what GCSEs did you enjoy doing? Because I didn't get bad GCSEs. I said, oh, I really enjoyed media studies. And she said, oh, there's a media studies course here. You should maybe go. And I was like two weeks. It had already started two weeks later. So I went on the Monday to try it just to shut my mum up. And I've not looked back. And I've, I've not looked back. And I've, I've been there ever since. And I've been, I did this GCSE media studies course at, at college when I was 16. And I just knew then that this is what I want to do. I want to work in this industry. And then from there, I went to university and did student radio. Yeah, which is so important, right? That is so important. Oh, yeah. 
because it's a brilliant nursery slope in which to learn and f and fail and pick yourself up yeah. and dust yourself off and just to be able to learn without loads of people listening in is is massive and it was while you were at uni that you applied you entered a competition didn't you yeah i entered a competition in my third year called the hits radio competition and it was basically to get four shows on national hits radio uh, which were pre-recorded, but it was fine. And I won that, and then... You say uh, that really I casually, was... Jordan, right? That would have been, you know, inundated with entries, and you go, and I won that. That in itself, yeah. right? You know, to, to be the one voice that stands out above all others is pretty massive. And then my biggest break was uh, Five Live moved to Salford, to the BBC, and I am a big, big, like, flag flyer whatever the word is and it's too early for me to yes yes head into a, a torch bearer I, a, a, fl a flag flyer will do yes i i really do support the bbc channel for all broadcasting not just coming from london because if it wasn't for the bbc moving to salford i don't know where i'd be so they just moved to salford and they were looking for phone answerers and actually like runners and people to help people get used to the area and that was my first job. I had, I got four days a week, three or four days a week answering the phones for all the radio shows on Five Live. And that was weird. Which again, right, is it, if for where you are now, to have done that, to have manned the phones, to have had that direct line with the listener, how important is that in terms of how it informs the broadcaster you are today? Massive. Yeah, oh, oh I learned all sorts. And then I learned, and because I was so eager and wanted to just learn everything about the radio industry, I used to stay behind and then offer to help out on writing scripts and I'd just be there I'd honestly I'd be there some days 12 14 hours just trying to soak up all this information about how to be a good broadcaster and then I actually got promoted from a phone answer to a researcher and I was like 22 23 and I worked and this is how things come back around I worked on Richard Bacon's afternoon show writing scripts and doing research for his items and, the, and different features that he done on the programmes. And in the morning, I worked on Victoria Derbyshire's show. Wow. Who you ended so, up in the jungle comes, with. And we ended up in the jungle with her. So my main job in the morning, I used to get in at half eight. Vic was on at 10 o'clock. Um, I'd make sure all the callers were ready and lined up. I'd brief up the phone answers because I was now one step above them. So I'd be like, this is what we're looking for on the show today. Um, I'd make sure Vic's taxis were all booked and everything like that. And all the travel was in. Uh, and then I'd always make sure she had a cup of tea for when she got into the studio. And then I'd make her one at the 11 o'clock break and the 12 o'clock break. And then just came around. To be honest, of all the shows I worked on, I learned from Vic's show the most. Because that lady I have got a lot of time for, she is precise. She does her research. She um, really does a prep for guests. And I've just been yeah. learning a lot there. You've spoken in the past about when you started out, you'd have to come back and forth to London, hugely expensive, trains aren't cheap, accommodation's not no. cheap. So you would just crash wherever some kind soul would put you up. And now you offer up your own sofa to young people coming to London as a kind of way of paying it forward. So I wondered, can you tell me about some of the sofas you've slept on and some of the oh. people that you've had crashing out on your own? So I always say I've got, there's two people mainly, uh, Chris North, my first agent, he used to let me crash on his sofa when I come down. He'd like put me up in his flat 
whenever I had because like Radio One had asked you to cover on a Sunday morning, but there's no trains on a Sunday morning, so you have to go up on the Saturday night. So, but then you can't really afford a hotel because hotels in London are really expensive. Um, even the, the cheap ones for, are really expensive. Even the cheap ones, <laughs> and by the time you paid for your train and a hotel room, you weren't. You'd probably be losing out on money. Yeah, you'd be down. You'd probably be, be costing you more money. So yeah. So just Chris, so people know, when you go on Radio uh, One, for example, unless you're doing some of the big chunky shows that you're doing now, the sexy the sexy slots, then actually the money is 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 nowhere near what people would think. No, and I earn I earn more money in commercial radio. Yeah. At, yeah. at, the, at, at the start, definitely. Yeah. So you sleep on Chris's sofa. Uh, George Godfrey, who's still a good friend of mine, he's also from Burnley. He's a radio presenter, and we were just destined to be friends. Um, and we get on really well. He, he works for Radio X now, he's a really right. good broadcaster. So he used to let me stay in this tiny little office. It wasn't even a box room; it was a tiny office, and I used to sleep on like a fold-out blow-up bed on there. Um, and then the other sofa you stay on, I don't know if I should say this, but say you get a call being like, oh, we need you to cover the early breakfast show at four o'clock in the morning. And sometimes you get the call last minute. So um, I'd get the last train up at 10 o'clock at night. I'd get to Radio 1 for 12. So that means they had four hours to kill. And then I just used to go and sleep on the sofa in the Radio 1 live lounge. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the playlist room. I'd take, a sleeping, I'd take a sleeping bag and get three, four hours sleep. I thought, I'm not paying for an hotel for a few hours. So I, it was, and, I, and and there's loads, and I remember security waking me up one night and shining a torch in my eyes. I was like, no, no, I said, don't. I was like, please, I was like, please don't tell my boss, not, I'm not meant to be here, but I'm on air at four in the morning. So I used to go in little rooms and sleep in little rooms at Radio One. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's mad. It is yeah. But you're right, because by the time you've got the train down and then you've rolled a, a hotel, even like, you know, a cheapest chips hotel into the equation, you, you're doing the job for nothing. And, Pretty much. And also, if you're staying with somebody and you've got to be leaving the house at like 3am to get to mm. the radio station in time or 2.30, that's really inconvenient for the people that are kindly putting you up, right? Yeah, and it's not just that. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I really like my own space. Apparently, I did one of those online quizzes things. I'm an introvert, extrovert, so I love people, but I get my... Oh, God, can't you tell I've been living in London for a few years now? <laughs> I get my... Oh, my... I get my energy <laughs> from time on my own. So I used to always find it hard that you'd have to be on it and sit in people's living rooms. And, mm. like, often time, I just want to be, like, have my own Hello. space. But so I that think, was quite hard. I think that's quite common in, in with broadcasters. You know, um, you know, we chat for a living, so I'm quite happy to sit like some sort of monk in the evening and say nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know people now, uh, like my producer Louis, who's a good friend of mine. Like he has stuff planned every night. He's got football, or he'll go and be doing this, and he's got he's going for like a wine tasting night. And I'm like, I just go and get my trackies on and watch telly. <laughs> Love having a free week. I literally just, I'll, I get home, people are like, oh, you're on Radio 1, you must be at parties all the time. I'm like, I'm in my trackies for half seven, watching Corrie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect night for me. 
Thanks so much for joining me for Something from the Cellar and exploring some of the brilliant stories about how some of our many guests have started out on the road to fame and fortune. I hope you're enjoying these midweek drops as much as I am and I'll be back on Friday with a brand new guest. In the meantime, if you want to revisit these episodes in full, simply search for them via the guest name. So we've had Hanson today, the chef James Martin and broadcaster Jordan North. Enjoy. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 